Hi, I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Friends with Elephants. A show for the cool nerd in you. Welcome to week 34. And you could say that we are kind of getting into the Halloween spirit a little this October. Just a little. I'm (laughs) so excited. We have obviously watched Nightmare on Elm Street as our movie of the week. And we have some other monsterific things that are coming up. We sure do. But my question to you right now is what are you going to dress up as this year for Halloween? For the past two years in a row, I've been dying to play Kara, the Mord Sith, from the Legend of the Seeker series. Of course. Which is the greatest book series and one of my favorite television shows. I know you're a weirdo like that, but it was Charisma Carpenter, and she's super hot as the role of Kara. No, she's she's not Kara. She's a different Mord Sith. There are many Mord Sith. I don't want to be Charisma Carpenter. Oh, I'm so wrong. You really need to watch Legend of the Seeker again. I guess so. You've wanted to do this. Is this a year? This is not the year. I thought maybe this year would be the year, but unfortunately I have not gotten my stuff together and I have not been able to procure the pattern. It's basically red leather. Red leather cat suit, which I'm going to do in two pieces and then make it look like it's all one piece with that awesome belt that she wears. If you can picture Daredevil in that red leather getup, but way sexier and no hood... It's basically the the Mord Sith way. Yeah. So that's what I want to be. I don't think this is the year. So I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do. I think I might go scary. Wow. That's good. See, now I'm trying to work my shit out so that Blake and I can figure out who is going to be Bayamax this year. Because if one's going to be Bayamax, the other guy should definitely be Hero from Big Hero 6. That's amazing. So that we can do our fist bump and go blah, la 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 la. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just don't know who of us will get to play Bayamax. I think you guys might have to rock, paper, scissors for it. La 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 la. It's time for a top three turf war. This week, it's a doozy, guys. So exciting. Top three Halloween movies. Now, what does that mean? It does not mean a scary horror film. It doesn't mean... A slasher movie. It means a movie that takes place during Halloween. That's right. At least a large portion of the film should have Halloween in it. And surrounding it. It should have a Halloween spirit that is part of the film. You should feel very excited for Halloween after it's done. You know what a Christmas movie is? This is the Halloween version of that. So what's your number three in this top three turf war? A Nightmare Before Christmas. Whoa. Okay. All right. I will let that pass because it has Halloween written all over it. It is. It's all Halloween. I know that it talks about both holidays. It doesn't talk. It wraps itself in a freaking bow and basically is a Christmas movie. It's not. It's such a Halloween movie. It's all about Halloween town and the Halloween characters. And yes, they go on meandering with like Santa Claus and stuff. But it's really, to me, it gets me excited for Halloween because the whole Halloween town thing is so spooky and cool and fun. And that's who the movie's really about is the Halloween characters. Well, I'm going to give it to you because it has that Tim Burton Halloween feel to it. And my number three has that written all over it. Sleepy 
Hollow with Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci. The whole film takes place around jack-o'-lanterns and uh, and harvest time in this little small town in the middle of nowhere. And I think that Sleepy Hollow is one of the best get-in-the-spirit-of-Halloween movies that you can. Not to mention, the actual town of Sleepy Hollow, um, which is in upstate New York, goes crazy over the Ichabod Crane and Horseman legend every Halloween. So definitely Sleepy Hollow plays into that. Very cool. All right. My number two is Halloween. Whoa. Okay. I think it's one of the most epic and notable slasher movies of all time. It really brought that genre into its forum. How can anyone think about the slasher or horror films without thinking of the Halloween series? Michael Myers is petrifying and Jamie Lee Curtis is the scream queen. So of course it makes sense that it's number two. Okay, well, my number two is 2007's horror anthology, Trick or Treat. And this is an anthology film because it tells four chilling stories of horror that all sort of interlap with each other. And the whole thing takes place on Halloween night. If you haven't seen it yet. I have not. You have to watch it because it kind of pays homage to those old tales from the crypts but also the creep shows and the tales from the dark side and it is creepy but so fun so what is your number one hocus pocus oh halloween is my number one Halloween is your number one. Okay, Hocus Pocus, why I put it as number one is it really gets me excited about the Halloween. And it brings me back to a time of what Halloween was growing up. And so that's why I think Hocus Pocus is one of the just the most memorable movies. It's so much fun. It is spooky. It's all about trick-or-treating. You get costumes. You get witches. You get magic. You get scariness, but not too much. I feel like Halloween is equal to the movie Hocus Pocus. And there's a love story, a really cute one. It's a very cute love story. Fair enough. And it would make my honorable mentions, but maybe like, I don't know, number nine down the list or something. (laughs) Halloween with Michael Myers is Halloween. It's this six-year-old boy who kills his sister and then goes to a mental asylum and then comes out to trick-or-treat again on Halloween night and kills all these people. It is one of the biggest independent releases of all time. On the flip side, Halloween is our spookiest holiday and Halloween really does hold up. And it is terrifying and they brought it back and made it again, but... Mm, that original that original still holds up to me i I think i have it on every medium from vhs to blu-ray and i i may buy it digital this year i love it that much nothing scarier than michael myers i agree it's just a psychopath yeah now hocus pocus hocus pocus is at least i've seen hocus pocus so i'll take trick-or-treat off the list because we've both seen hocus pocus and you haven't seen trick-or-treat i have not seen trick-or-treat but i'm gonna watch it tonight but i feel like i feel like after you watch trick-or-treat you will probably add it to your list we'll have to talk about this again next week maybe yeah so i'll give you hocus pocus at two because you you also gave me halloween so the big question is what is going at number three i had sleepy hollow you and could also still have you, trick or treat as that spot. Like that's always an option. Yeah, but it's really hard because you haven't seen it. 
you really did make it sound very fun and interesting. It's incredibly fun. It's very stylish. It works so well. And it's got kids who trick or treat. And then it's got psychopaths. And it's got all these monsters. And then it's got other things. And it's just this interesting town. Like, I want to watch it. I legitimately want to go and watch it. And so I think that just given that, it has to be number three. It also is over Sleepy Hollow and Nightmare Before Christmas. Here we go. Number three, Trick or Treat. Number two, Hocus Pocus. And the number one greatest Halloween movie of all time is Halloween. All right, it is time for... Tech ticket. Tech ticket. Tech ticket. Tech ticket. This week, we're going to talk about cell phones and eating and what is the etiquette of eating and cell phones. If you asked Mama Kennedy, she would 100% be like, no, there is none of that. This cannot be at the table. Here's the basket. It lives in a totally other room. You cannot touch your phone. Blake Kingston is exactly the same. Oh, wow. He has a hard line on food and cell phones. Okay. I have a list of situations, and I bet you when he listens, he's going to be like, yeah, I'd bring my phone out for that. Bring it. What are your situations? At a business lunch. At a business lunch while talking business, you got to put it away. However, you need it at the table. It needs to be there. Yeah, I'm going to say that I think your phone needs to be on the table. In case they offer up another date, you can quickly check for them. It's not rude because it's actually a part of the conversation. Further, if you are at, for example, a business lunch with your boss and you want to sort of during lulls in the conversation or whatever, prove that you're working even while you're at your lunch. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at your phone. Agreed, but make sure you're engaging when you're working with the client or another coworker. Oh yeah, if you're with a client, phone is on the table, but you never look at it. If you're with your boss, there might be moments where you should look at it to look like a harder worker. Otherwise, on the table, but don't look at it. Next up, romantic dinner. No. Yeah, no. Flat no. Keep that phone away. The romance is between you two, not between your phone and anybody else. What's next? Uh, At a regular old family dinner. So like you're 15 years old, you're sitting down to dinner that night with your parents. Oh gosh, yes, totally. You want to have your phone with you. Your parents probably don't, but I feel like it's totally fine. It's an everyday dinner. It's not a big deal. You probably shouldn't be like texting and on your phone the whole time, but I think there's nothing wrong with having your phone there. I'm going to totally be the Nazi of my family when I do have kids and be like, nope, no devices at the table, none of this. And I'm going to be looking at Becky the whole time I'm saying it. (laughs) Listen, listen, mama there. Nope, you put that away too. (laughs) Maybe it's girls that like to bring that stuff to family dinners. (laughs) At a special family dinner like Thanksgiving. Oh, then phone goes away. No room for cell phones at special family occasions. But I think it's in your pocket. What if you want to take a selfie with everybody or you want to take some pictures? Okay, yeah, but then shouldn't wouldn't your phone be in your pocket in your regular family dinner? Or no, then that goes in a basket far away. Oh, well, if it's my mother doing it, it's in a basket far away. <laughs> what about a boozy dinner with friends? Absolutely, it's there. Absolutely. You are taking pictures of everybody. And not to mention, if one of you is on Tinder, we're all playing Tinder. Exactly. Um, 
everyday dinner alone. Uh, sure. Absolutely. You're alone. You're alone. Nobody cares. Yeah. Like, do whatever you want to do. Um, but watch out. Like, don't ruin your phone with your food. Yeah. You. Okay. How about an everyday dinner with your person that you live with? So it's like you don't have a family with kids around. So there's no example to set. You're like a single couple. And it's just like an everyday dinner on the couch. Uh, yeah, you're probably on your phone. Who am I to talk? I'm that person that like will put my phone in a corner of a room and then lose it and not come back to it till hours later. You actually are because you you have a strange schedule for checking your phone. I don't. <laughs> I think this entire time I've checked my phone like a hundred times. I've not checked it once. You have not checked it once. Yeah, no. I know. You're you're such a good friend. It, I don't even know if it's that. I don't know. I can't be bothered to be tied to what if someone is contacting me. Well, you do an awesome job with that, and I think that this list. Doesn't even apply to you. (laughs) So I am heading into the woods this weekend. It's a fall weekend. It's going to be cold. We're staying in an old shack. I cannot believe that you're camping in the fall. Yeah, Algonquin Park. So there are going to be a lot of wild animals just running around. I love that you're a camper because... I'm not. I know. So that leads me to this new section I like to call Ivana versus Nature. Ooh. In order to help you, the listener, I am going to see if Ivana can name a couple of things to do if presented with a wild animal so that you don't get attacked. I'm going to fail so hard at this quiz. Ivana versus nature. Ivana loses. Here we go. (laughs) So what do you do if you are confronted with a wolf? A wolf? A wolf. I'm dead. Um, I pick up a stick and I bat it around and make loud noises. That could result in you losing your footing and dying. But... Your loud noises is right. You want to yell at the animal. You definitely want that to happen. You can't run because it could trigger an an attack. I figured that much. I figured with a wolf, I would want to be more alpha than the wolf. So that's why I, I thought I would make myself large with a stick and noises. So if it does turn into an attack, any kind of weapon to fend yourself is good to have. So don't throw that stick. Just hold on to it. And don't go crazy wildly around because if you lose your footing, you could die. Right. All right. So what do you do if you're confronted by a bear? Uh, Don't I just fall to the ground and pretend I'm dead? That's only if the bear attacks you. If there's a bear in front of you, you want to pick up any small children off the ground so they don't look like potential prey. And that's when you want to make yourself look big. Do not approach the animal. Bang pots and pans together if you can. And um, always leave an escape route if you do have to run. So you run with bears. You don't run with bears, but you leave an escape route in case something is going to happen. So that you can also leave an escape route for the bear to get away from. Uh, Don't ever block the path of the bear. You want to kind of give it some space. You want to give it space. What about running up a tree? Is that a thing? It is a thing, but you don't want to do that because they're very good climbers. Bears climb? They climb trees, yes. What? Oh, yeah. They're kick-ass climbers. Wow. You learn something new every day. And I bet I'm going to teach you something else new. Did you know that Ontario has effing cougars? 
I actually, I did. I knew that. So what do you do if you're face to face with a cougar? Oh gosh, cats. I think I make eye contact and freeze. That is good. Never take your eyes off the animal. Do not turn your back to this vicious creature. I am such a good survivalist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're going to want to still shout and wave your arms. You can throw rocks at the cougar. Okay, throwing rocks at cougars. I can do that. Yep. Now, if the cougar attacks you, what do you do? Kick and scream? Yes. And cover my neck? Fight for your life with as much violence as you can possibly muster. (laughs) That is literally what it has written down on the website of what to do when attacked by a cougar. How am I getting all these things right? I thought for sure everything you were going to be like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. Gouge your fingers into the cat's eyes. Yeah, good call. And this is actually also a creature that if you are confronted by, you want to appear larger if you can. All right, I've got two more. I'm ready. What do you do if you're confronted by a moose? I know because Blake Kingston is a woodsman like you that he says that he's afraid of moose. I don't know why because they seem like deers but larger. Um... Ah, gosh, what do I do with a moose? Do I just like back away slowly? Yes, back away and change whatever direction you were traveling in. You got to give it lots of space. This is a moose. It needs a lot of space. Stay totally clear of any like children this moose have because it will charge your ass. I feel like that's a general rule with wild animals. Stay away from the babies. If a moose is approaching you, it is not trying to be your friend. This is a warning to get the fuck away from the moose. So you run in that instance. Yes. Unlike with a bear or a cougar, you can run from a moose without triggering an attack. The moose likely won't chase you very far. You can get behind a tree because the moose is very big. Right. So if you disappear behind a tree, they're like, oh my God, that human disappeared. Or it can't maneuver quickly enough around that tree. If the moose knocks you down, you curl up into a ball, protect yourself against the kicks and the stomps. Do not try to get up until the moose goes away because you will die from the moose. I feel like if... I'm being trampled by a moose. I'm probably dead. And the number five on my list. What do you do in order to survive a beaver attack? Like zombievers? Like zombievers, but normal beavers. Do they attack? There have been men who have decided to pose cutely with a beaver and they have bitten into their neck and killed them. What? Yes. No. Very sharp teeth. Oh my gosh. Um... Can I kick it and then run? You can, but it may incite an attack. You're confronted with a beaver. I I really don't know what to do about a beaver. my, My instinct is to kick at it and then run in the opposite direction. First of all, you do not look at the beaver in the eyes. This is this is this is a threat. Do not look directly at the beaver. Are beavers uh herbivores or omnivores or carnivores? Herbivores. Okay. But they're very aggressive. They're aggressive herbivores. Yes, they're very aggressive. Try to speak in a low commanding voice. Stomp your feet if it approaches you. Stomp, stomp, stomp. And if you're in the water, you fucked. (laughs) 
It's like piranha. There is not much you can do from a beaver in the water. Just this conversation makes me want to write and star in a beaver attack movie. Like Anaconda, like, but with beavers. Like if the beaver wet, do not pet. <laughs> <laughs> This week, we told you guys to check out the original Nightmare on Elm Street. What did you think? Well, after all those sequels, I always forget how mean Freddy Krueger is. He's all fun and games in a lot of the sequels, making jokes while he's he's killing people. But in the original, he's a mean, mean, scary machine. I just said that enjoy all of the crazy upside down room effects from this movie that was a real theme there's so many practical effects in this film you know from the the i don't know if it was a crane or a lift that lifts and sucks the woman onto the roof and she's getting sliced up up there that was a really cool beginning in fact i really kind of enjoyed the death and the blood scenes What I was a little bit maybe surprised by were the cheesiness of some of the Kruger effects. Like, uh, like specifically what? There's a part where he is chasing a girl in her dream and she reaches at his face and she tears his face off. And then it's like skeleton. That was not that awesome. Also, at the end, when you think it's over because she says, I don't believe in you, I'm not afraid. He kind of does this really bad pixelated cartoon and disappears. That part I kind of forgave because it, when was this movie made? 1980? 1984. But here's an interesting story about an awful person who the parents of the town then go and find him in a boiler room and burn him to death. And then 16 years later or however many years later, he comes back in your dreams This was uh, an idea Wes Craven got by reading about sleep paralysis victims who actually died during their sleep. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. There's actually an interesting documentary called The Nightmare on sleep paralysis. You know what? I actually started to watch it. What I found the most interesting was how much these people believed in the dreams that they were having. Absolutely. And the fact that they were all having the same dream is one of those things that led to, oh my gosh, is this real or not? And that, I guess, is where Wes Craven got this idea. That's right. Of this man in your dreams who... If he kills you in your dream, you will die in real life. That is an urban legend that has existed for many years, that if you die in your dreams, you will die in real life. Absolutely. You know what? They do a really good job in this movie of making you afraid to sleep. Like when Nancy takes a bath because she's had such a hard day, you know she's susceptible to fall asleep in that bath. And when the hand comes up between her legs... Chills every time. Or this was a movie where we see the killer constantly and it wasn't that cheesy. I mean, I think they made him frightening looking and human enough that it was okay that we were looking at him. I agree. I I still think this film is one of the scariest original pieces to any other film. Nah, I don't know about that. Whoa, what are you weren't scared? You weren't scared of I am God. This is God. Since that time, there was an element of filmmaking where directors would say, 
if I couldn't do this effect justice, I will suggest the effect and not show it. And and I think that this movie showed it every time. And sometimes that backfired. And sometimes you were like, whoa, that was a really cool effect. Like the blood coming out of the bed when Johnny Depp is dying. That was a really cool effect. That was an amazing scene. And there's a great story. That 360 room. That room is, everything is nailed down in that room. And they flipped that whole room vertical so that they could just let blood spurt onto the ceiling. It looks so awesome. Oh, yeah. It really does look like you're in a situation where gravity has stopped working. And you really feel for Johnny Depp in his debut role here as he's sucked into the bed and there's no way out. He was pretty good in this movie. I can understand how from this movie he went on to be quite a star. Watching it now, though, honestly, I think maybe it could use a little bit of a reboot. No, they tried to reboot it and it sucked five years ago. I I didn't see the reboot. Good. Don't. It's bad. If we did a proper reboot with a director that respects Wes Craven and what he created, and we did a similar movie, maybe updated it for the times... I could see them doing another kind of movie where don't go to sleep, but everybody would compare it to this movie. The thing is, is that pretend you're 15 and you're watching this movie. Yep. Think about all the special effects that are available to the world today and think about everything that Guillermo del Toro has done for films and new things that he's coming out with, like Crimson Peak and whatnot, where he's layering computer effects on top of practical effects and then watch this. Under that lens, under the fact that you're a 15-year-old, you would laugh at this and you wouldn't give it the credence that it deserves. But I think that Robert Englund's performance is what's scary. He is so good. You would have to find another actor before you could redo it. I don't think that you you can say that this movie isn't scary because some of the effects are bad. Because a lot of the effects are amazing. And Freddy Krueger himself in the film is what is scary. You are terrified that you can't escape him. You can't escape the circumstances. You have to sleep at some point. And when when you do see him, you can run, but it won't make a difference. I think those are the things that are scary still about Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe the special effects aren't awesome and could take you out for a moment, But as soon as Freddy's back in the scene, it is terror again. A lot of what you're saying is absolutely ringing true. That's why I think this movie deserves a proper reboot, a la the Star Trek, where you have someone who is a fan and who respects the original and will just update it for new audiences. Robert Englund, I mean, he and his role as Freddy Krueger, he's legitimately an amazing actor physically voice and also his expressions on his face even though he's covered in makeup you can see that he has a true talent same thing goes for Johnny Depp and same thing goes for uh Heather Langenkamp is that how you say yeah I think that's about right the other thing that took me out of this movie maybe more than the effects and maybe I'm picking on the effects but unfairly is all the other actors they're awful I don't know if it was because the editing hung on bad expressions too much. I think maybe you're you're very possibly right because Heather's performance is so good. So to play her level of stressed out against her mother's inability to emote. Awful. Uh, Her father was sometimes okay, other times wooden. The two friends in the beginning, the ones who get killed. Yep. 
especially the guy. That guy is possibly the worst actor I've ever seen. There was a moment where his girlfriend is getting dragged into the ceiling and I'm like totally into the effects. I'm totally into the scene. I'm completely absorbed in the story. And then I look at his face, his mouth is ajar and he has a blank expression. How can you be afraid when the actors in that movie aren't? Well, I still think this is uh, this is still more classic than cult as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I completely agree. Definitely, definitely more classic. So next week, though, we're going to step into the horror comedy genre and we're going to watch a new film that's out in theaters, but also on video on demand. So if you want to give that a rental, it's called The Final Girls. And it has a crazy great cast, and it's actually about a old slasher film. Think Pleasantville meets Nightmare on Elm Street. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. People from here who love that film, all of a sudden transported into a 70s slasher film and have to figure it out. So yeah, we invite you to watch The Final Girls with us next week. It's time for Reddit Advice Corner. That was very 80s of you, a little bit. Was it 80s? Yeah. I mean, I know you you hate that decade with a just a feverish hate. I do. I hate that decade. But you just kind of did some sort of 80s there. Boo earns. I have some really fun advice, though, for us to give. All right. Who are we helping? We are helping Throwaway Elephant 487. That is a great name. He's got elephant right there in the title. That is correct. And we know it is a dude because he tells us so. Okay. What does he tell us? He says, I am an under 35-year-old male that has recently accepted a promotion causing myself to move. I've been here two to three months and I'm having a really hard time. My boss is nice and watches my back. He lets me know what people are thinking of me and what is going on that I'm not seeing. It's getting to be almost weekly now where my boss has new advice for me about my behavior in the workplace. So for reference at my previous position at the same company, I had none of these. Now here, people are finding me short and blunt with people. I'm really not trying to be that way. I just need advice on what to do. Option one. I stay and understand that it's just going through tough growing pains. Option two, I keep my mouth shut and I try to find a new job in the same company, which I love. And option three, I leave and I find a new company and job. Don't leave. If you love your company, don't leave. Here's the thing. You are constantly growing. Every one of us is constantly being challenged and... If this is advice that you're getting that you don't like because it makes you feel bad, well, suck it up, man. Like if he's trying to give you advice so that you can move up and you can get that next promotion and you can be the kind of leader that you want to be at this company, you just got to suck it up and try to be that person. Yeah, actually, it sounds to me like maybe there's an aspect of yourself that you're not seeing. And and I can understand that maybe it wasn't happening before. People did not say these things or you weren't aware of it. But the question is, was it happening behind your back and nobody was telling you? And is it now that you have someone in your corner who's filling you in? And it just sounds like you're being short and blunt. And guess what? Sometimes that's the thing that you need in a room. But if you're just kind of coming off as a jerk, that's an easy fix. Just don't be a jerk. Some people are just very particular and other people might be off put by them. 
And it is what it is, but there's nothing wrong with self-awareness. And you have to ask yourself, at your previous position, were people hiding how they felt from you? Or was it that it's just such a different culture because you mentioned you moved, that they were very different in their culture? And even then, that's a great learning opportunity as well, because the fact of the matter is, Different places have different cultures and there's different ways to be appropriate. And being a professional at any age is all about learning how to best work with people who are around you. So sometimes it is short and blunt and sometimes it's a little bit more work to work around what what's going to be the best and the most efficient way to work with another person. If they're put off by you and that's going to stop being efficient and going to stop you from moving up in the company, then you're going to have to kind of divert and rework your your way of thinking. Everybody has to do it all of the time. Yeah. The other thing I would mention is that you can flip it around the other way. Uh, so people think you're short and blunt. How can you use your natural propensity towards this as a strength rather than a weakness? Sometimes you just got to jump on board what the company's doing. Nobody likes the negative person at the company because guess what? That negativity breeds negativity. And it it's amazing to me how one person who's negative who walks into a room and is that negative force brings down the rest of the room and it affects everyone. You do not want to be that person. I don't think you are. I think you're somebody who is, you're finding a solution, but you're not delivering that solution in the, the most amazing way you could. And my other question to you is, what's going on with your personal life outside of work? You mentioned that you moved. So are you having a hard time meeting people? Are there other things that you can do to sort of amp up your personal life to maybe make you a little bit happier in the workplace too? That's a great point. You know, when people move and they don't know anybody and they join a new company and they still don't know anybody, that can breed depression. And you don't want to go down a negative spiral and then on top of that have this depression. It, it's not good. Check we're out, jumping ahead here for you. Check out Craigslist. There's probably like groups or meetup.com is really great too. So just check out what's available in your neighborhood and see if there's somewhere where you can meet people and get to know them. Really hope we helped today. Catch you later. Throw away Elephant 487. Love the name. And that is all we have today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much again for joining us. Please make sure to tell your friends about the show. Make sure to get on iTunes and give us that rating that you've been promising to give us for so long in your heart. I'm talking to you, Saudi Arabia and Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. We got a listener in Switzerland. And another one in Saudi Arabia. Love to hear from you guys, but also give us those ratings out there. And if you want to reach out and actually talk with us, you can reach us at friendselephants.com. Or by email at friendswithelephants at mail.com. You can like our Facebook page or message us at Facebook slash friendselephants. Or you can catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. And I'm at It's Ivana. And before we go, we just want to say... Jay and I will be doing our first guest appearance on another podcast. I fanboyed so hard for this one because it's Chuck McPhail on What's the Story? And that episode is coming out on October 28th if you go to sleep tonight freddie might get you oh you suck are you ready for your sweet dreams this evening just stop let's
you're, just you're stop. feeling rather tired, aren't you? Is that a yawn I feel coming on? What the hell was that? Oh my god. Okay, we gotta get out of here. Oh my god. <laughs>